Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and a very horrible Martin Luther King Day. Michigan State played one of the worst heartbreaking gut-punching losses in recent history at Breslin. And big news came out yesterday. Those who stayed didn't get the job offer. So let's just lead off right away with this Michigan State game. And that's just as bad as it gets. This is a game you guys will sit here and blame the officials. You know I don't do that. Officiating was bad. That wasn't the main reason why Michigan State lost that game. Michigan State lost that game because Zach Eady put up 32-17 and 17 career highs on you. You know, an issue I said when you preseason, you're going to have in Big Ten play. Like, you don't have the center play to win. Now you got Trace Jackson Davis on Sunday, and that's another game I'm just saying out. Like, I'm just going to ax that game off the schedule before we even play it because it's very easy to see what the results are going to be with this team. They will not be able to guard a good big, and I get it. The guy's like seven five. He's bigger than every big in the Big Ten. He's weighs more. I get it. But your big man plays abysmal. Sissoko with zero points in that game. I'm sorry, give me one bucket. Yeah, he got eight boards. Carson Cooper, I thought in that game he was your best center. He was the only guy who was at least holding his own against Edie. Sissoko wasn't holding his own. Sissoko was following, and they let a, a whole lot of those go throughout the game. Yeah, Cooper got cooked a few times, but at least he got multiple stops in a row at one point. You caught Purdue on a horrible night, or a horrible day, to rephrase that. You caught him on a day that Braylon Allen has four points and no threes. Fletcher played a great game, put up 17, but you know that's expected. And the rest of their team did really nothing that entire game. And on top of that, you know, you're sitting there watching the first eight minutes of that game and you're like, Michigan State's playing a horrible game. But they're at least somewhat in this game. And then they got on their little, you know, 10-0 run like you knew it was going to happen because Michigan State was playing atrocious basketball come out of the game. State slowly creeps their way back in the game, takes a lead for a while, and then, you know... Hogarth misses those two free throws. I said that's a game. You've got to hit your free throws at the end of games. And those two free throws, I know Izzo's already looking back and saying that's probably one of the main reasons why we lost this game. I'm sorry, Hogarth. I'm going to be tough on the guy. You're a junior. You're supposed to be the leader of the team. You're supposed to be one of the vets of this team. You can't come out and go 0 for 2 at the line at the end of a game with clutch free throws coming at the line. That's not acceptable as an upperclassman point guard. A guy that I thought I was going to see a lot more of coming in this year, too. Very frustrating game. Very, very frustrating game. Especially to lose that one at home against a, a Purdue team that came out and played horrible basketball most of that game. They had a few stretches where they, they looked really, really good, and they looked like they were actually the number three team in college basketball. But most of that game... Purdue looked bad. Like, really, really bad. Tyson, 30-point game, cooking Brayden Allen, cooking him. He was getting everything he wanted all day. 
Aikens, who I thought was going to be your X factor, and if he played a good game, you were going to win, which I was completely right. If he came in there and played a great game, you win that one. Defensively, he was a menace in that game, but he was just not hitting shots. And I'm not concerned with him and his shooting because I, I know what he's going to be. I know the guy. I'd rather have the guy take 15 shots a game than take four right now, knowing what his role is probably going to be next year. But the offense has to come along at some point. Like, I'm sorry, one for four from the floor and 0 for one from three. Yeah, you played a great game defensively. But, I mean, uh, it's like you look at Aiken's freshman year, you looked at Pierre freshman year, and you're like, these guys are going to be very good upperclassmen. Or these guys are going to take a big jump this year and then take even a bigger, you know, the sophomore junior leap for Izzo going into that summer. Obviously, there's been very little, if any, improvement with Pierre, a guy who's supposed to be your knockdown three-point shooter, a guy you're supposed to have just sitting in the corner shooting the three ball consistently, a guy who is going to be potentially a more athletic Matt McQuaid was going to be his role probably here. Just shoot the three ball. Every time he steps up to shoot, I'm like, why? Like, I know you're a shooter, but you haven't hit one all year. Like, it feels like every game he's one for seven from three. He's 0 for four from three. There really hasn't been a game outside, like, mid-major play that he's actually looked really good. He's looked like he's going to be very good in a few years. There's been very little improvement in Pierre Brooks, if any, between his freshman and sophomore year. Now we're midway, more than halfway through, you know, sophomore campaign. And he's not playing good basketball. A guy who I thought preseason was going to take a big leap. That's obviously not been the case. And the big men, you know, I knew this was going to be an issue all year. What what can you do at this point? You caught Purdue on a horrible night and you lost to them. Because you just played worse than them. And that's a team, like, you look back at their resume. You have Purdue on your resume as a win. You have Kentucky on your resume as a win, even though Kentucky, I think, is horrible. I mean, at least that's on your resume as a win. You lost in Gonzaga by one on a, on a weird aircraft carrier game. A team that's probably, at, when it's all said and done, going to be a one or two seed, like normal. So you have that going for you on your resume. You're probably going to win one or two big games the rest of the way. But the reality is, you know, these home games at Breslin, you have to win. I don't care who you're playing at Breslin. Every time you step on that court there, you need to expect a win. Because I think everybody in that crowd expects a win. I don't care that you're playing Purdue. Yeah, I kind of thought they were going to lose that game coming in. And, you know, I came on here and said they were going to lose that game. But the reality of the story is this team's just not that good. They're just not. Gonzaga, I don't think, is as good as they really, or the record shows. I think they're good. But I don't think when it's all said and done, they're really a threatening one or two seed. This is a very weak Gonzaga team you just played and lost to. But play Gonzaga. It's a resume builder. Kentucky looks awful on paper now. Villanova looks awful on paper, paper now. You lost to UConn, you lost to Bama. You have to win these ones. The reality of the story is everything's really bad this year. People are saying we're a seven or an eight seed, depending on the website right now. 
I think when it's all said and done, Michigan State's 9-10 seed. You have a big game at home Thursday against Rutgers. That's just, you have to win that one. That's a resume builder. Rutgers is a tournament team. You have to win that. You have to get a road win somehow. And out of all these teams, you've got to take one of these on the road. You've got to take Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, or Rutgers. You've got to win one of those on the road. You, you have to get a big road win. You know, Illinois should have been your big road win. You have, you have a big road win against Wisconsin. You have to go into Ann Arbor, win that game in Ann Arbor, take care of business there. But it doesn't get easy the rest of the month. You're 0-2 in the stretch that I really was hoping in these six games you would at least come out of there 3-3. Three and three. Illinois lost, Purdue's a loss. You got to play Purdue again at Mackey. So at the end of the month, your last game of the month, Mark has a loss. They're not going to Mackey and winning. So that's 0 and 3. I don't think they have a shot against IU 0 and 4. Rutgers will be an interesting game. After a deflating home loss, I wonder how Michigan State comes out there. They come out sluggish and lose this game because this entire season, they've come out sluggish for most of these games. I mean, they came out very sluggish against Michigan, pretty sluggish against Wisconsin. They came out eh, against Illinois and horribly against Purdue. I think they get on back, back on track and they win Rutgers. And then Iowa's another game like Rutgers is a toss-up. Two and four or one and five is the reality of these of the those six games, you know, to finish the month. And that's not encouraging going down the stretch of the season. I know Izzo always has these little rough patches. He always has these stretches where they get cold in January and they get hot in February and March and they peak there. But this team's done nothing to show me they can peak. Like at least in the beginning of the season when Michigan State plays these tough teams. Those tough teams actually end up being good teams. And they win one of those two games, or they win two of those early in the season against, you know, Kentucky, that's good to Kentucky team, or they go out and they win a Duke, or they win an Alabama and they're, you know, top 15 teams. And then you look back and you're like, at least they had like a stretch where it's like they played really good basketball. On paper, you know, that Michigan win looks like a good win. They played horrible basketball there. Horrible basketball. Michigan's just a brutal, to be brutally honest, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. They went out there and won that game playing just bad basketball. They won that by six, and they were up like 15 most of that game. Nebraska, great win. They handle business. Wisconsin, you handle business on the road. But I have yet to see this team against a good team piece together three straight games. They can't piece together three straight games. And that's a little concerning. It's very concerning. Going into February, your month of February is very easy. So, yeah, there's a very good chance you get Michigan State peaking late in the season. Because, he, I mean, here's your month of February. You got Rutgers to start the month on the road. So, and now you want to include February in that stretch, probably going one and seven or two and six during that stretch. Then you got a pretty damn easy stretch out of, well, I mean, is it really that easy, though? You, you go Maryland bubble team just like you gotta win your bubble games and that's what's crucial about february is you're playing a lot of teams in the same position as you you have maryland you have ohio state at value city 
have to win that one. You're playing Michigan on the road. You have IU. You have Iowa. You're playing teams in the same position as you that entire month. That's where you have to pretty much run the table from there because after this stretch, Michigan State's going to be very close to being like a 500 team overall record. And that does not look good. They might be in a place in three or four weeks where we're looking at them and we're like, are they even going to make it? I think they will get it. Ten seed's very fair. Nine seed, I, I can see them getting as high as seven. I don't see them getting any higher as seven. I don't see them getting any lower as a last four out. Which was pretty much where I had them preseason where they were going. But very scary, the stretch coming up. The Big Ten is very weak, but Michigan State's a very weak team this year, and they're part of that group of just the Big Ten being very weak, and they're going to beat each other up, and they're you know, going to take some games that aren't, you know, they're going to they're going to lose games they shouldn't lose. Like we already saw the Northwestern, can't lose that game, just can't. It, if Michigan State wants to become a contender for the Big Ten title, and I don't know how they do it, but you you got to figure out your big men play because this is what the conference runs through. It's hard to not like Harson Cooper right now. He's getting better every game. He's not a starting center. He's not close to that yet. He, he won't be for another year or two. But you got to figure something out with Sissoko. I mean, in the first three games, the guy looked like he was on track to be this like breakout, Izzo late bloomer type guy. And I haven't seen it, to be honest with you. I just haven't. And I've seen just a regression. Every single game he regresses. I mean, since the first four games, I don't think there's been a game that I've sat there and been like, wow, he's played great basketball. Because he's just playing bad basketball right now. I mean, to say the very least, he's getting in foul trouble early, and then you're pushing centers off your bench that aren't really meant to play with seven minutes left in the second half. You know, Carson Cooper and Jackson Kohler, when you got Sissoko at four fouls in that game, and I get it, you know, you're going to foul Edie. But the fact, you you know, you got Cooper and Kohler coming in with six minutes left and they're playing until like the 245, three-minute mark. It's like, God. So that, that's another place where you can take advantage of the game with Edie, even though I, I just did not think Sissoko played a good game on him because of the height difference. It's going to be an interesting ending to the season because this next game against Rutgers really defines the Michigan State season. You could sit there, you could take this loss against Purdue, you can take that loss against Illinois, This you can sit there, and you can put your heads down, and you can finish the season not making the tournament, which is a very easy thing to do. I don't think Izzo teams are capable of doing that, but with the talent on this team that is lacking a ton of it, I can very, very well see this team just shutting down for a couple games. There's no leader on this team. Malik Call was, I think, your leader, and you might not have him the rest of the season. Who's going to step up? I mean, Tyson kind of stepped up and dropped 30 and said, this is my team now, which I hope I'm right. And he comes out against Rutgers and continues to make this team his team because somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to sit there and say, this is my team now, like Cassius did. 
like other Michigan State greats have done, like other great Michigan State teams have done. I see it in Walker. I see it in Holgard. But Holgard is so fucking lazy with the ball that I don't think he's ever going to be the lead. Somebody else has to be that guy now. And I think I and I hope it's Walker. It would be awesome if we have somebody that steps in, makes it their team, and we finish the season strong. And I hope I'm wrong that we go, you know, one and five or two and six or two and four during the stretch. It's going to be a very interesting end to the season. We'll see what happens. Rutgers is your game where, you know, you have your back against the wall and you have to win this one. I want to move into Jim Harbaugh, and this is probably one of my last Michigan segments I'm going to have for a while about football. He's blackballed, or he's just such a bad interviewer that nobody wants him, which I think is probably a mixture of both. I think a lot of teams are hesitant, you know, deal with Jim Harbaugh and the bullshit that comes with it. And then you have the other teams that are interviewing him that want him to come back, but the guy's just a horrible interviewer. I mean, we listen to the guy in press conferences. The guy can't speak. The guy can't interview. If you're a Michigan fan, and I have trouble understanding this from the fan base, why do you like the guy? If you're a recruit, why would you want to play for him? Every single year, the guy is gone in the offseason. That's his first thought. I want to leave. If your first thought every offseason is, how how can I interview for an NFL job? But if I don't get it, I'm coming back to Michigan because I can't interview. But if I get the job, I'm out. Trust me, this is not the last time he's going to play this leverage game, this little game of I'm going pro because I want to go pro. The day that offer slapped on the table, he's gone. He does not want to be at Michigan. It is pretty clear his actions every year show it. And Michigan fans, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand how you can sit there and talk to my face and say that he wants to be a Michigan great. He wants to be the next Bo Schembechler. Bo Schembechler is a bigger scumbag than Harbaugh. That's besides the point. But for Michigan fans, everybody you know looks up to Bo. Now, I, a big of a piece of shit as he is, that's what they love there. Harbaugh needs to stay there to do that, but Harbaugh will never stay there if he's interviewing every year. If you're a recruit, he can't promise you that he's going to be there for four years. How is he going to look at you in the eye and say, I'm going to be a Michigan man for four years? How do you do that? He's lying straight to his recruits' faces if he's doing that. And if I'm a recruit, I'm saying, oh, he's full shit. Yeah. Michigan national contender again next year easily. And there's no doubt about it. I'm making my pick right now for the Big Ten really early. Very early pick will be Michigan, the you know, three-peat the Big Ten. But the reality of the situation is you can't look at me in the eye and tell me he wants to be at Michigan. End of the story. He doesn't get the job offer every year, so he comes back. But, hey, he got his contract leverage. He did. He's probably getting the contract he wants. But if I'm Michigan and I'm writing him a new check, I'm saying you have to stay here for five years and we're not buying you out. That's the only way I'm letting Harbaugh sign that paper. You need a full commitment from the guy. Because the reality of the situation is 
He has built a great program. And the problem is when the day he gets his NFL offer and the day he leaves, he's leaving that program the highest and driest it's ever been. How do you prepare for that if you're Michigan? Because NFL job openings come out well after college football coaching changes happen. Do they have somebody lined up behind them? Which there, there are rumors there are people behind it. Is there somebody behind Harbaugh that can just take over the program, similar to like Lloyd Carr did with Moeller and like Moeller did with Bo? Or is he going to set Michigan back five years? Because everybody's going to, you know, everybody's going to leave if Harbaugh leaves. Especially if they replace him with some outsider. If they replace him with some coordinator there that knows the program and the guys respect him and the guys, you know, want to stay with the program. Obviously, you know, Michigan might have a guy like Shro Morris or it's one of the guys in the program they, they really like. If he were to become head coach, I wonder how many guys would stay and how many guys would leave. But if they go external, I mean, that program set back a very long time. And if Harbaugh leaves, he's leaving in January while college coaching searches is done pretty much around December time. We'll see. And then him not thanking the AD, I mean, that's not good either. You know, the president likes you, but the AD doesn't. And that can cause a lot of issues inside the athletic department. We'll see. We'll see another carousel this next offseason. He's going to want more money, and he's going to try to get another job in the NFL, and that's just the reality of it. But I'll be back again tomorrow with a Piston special with our own. That's going to be dropping. And then Thursday, uh, Michigan State basketball special with Steven and um, Graham. And then Friday, figuring out what I want to do there. But I'm thinking I'm going to just preview the weekend. And Saturday, we'll have another special coming out. So see you guys on – see you guys tomorrow.